Hey guys, Jason Davis here. Uh, with everything that's going on out there in culture, in the school system, especially the public school system, right? And drag shows and everything in between, our kids are under attack daily. And that's why I wanted to tell you today about the Tuttle Twins books. Tuttle Twins is really, it's the only books uh, that I know of for kids that really help them develop critical thinking skills about real world concepts, economies, finance, government, freedom, liberty, the free market, how to be self-reliant and outside the system. Right now, we just all have to recognize the world's full of companies and people and politicians that want to expose and influence our kids and in ideas that we don't support. And so that includes school teachers, unfortunately. So Tuttle Twins empowers parents. I encourage you to check them out at TuttleTwins.com or if you go to my website at DontTreadOnLiberty.com and go to Freedom Partners under Tuttle Twins, there is a special offer for you. So DontTreadOnLiberty.com under Freedom Partners. Check out the Tuttle Twins and we do have a special offer for you. Well, let's get back to the show. I hope you enjoy this week. God bless. Fighting back against the left's nonstop attacks on liberty, freedom, and America. America. This is Don't Tread on Liberty. Jason Davis is on the air. Hey, welcome to Don't Tread on Liberty. Uh, this is your midweek update. I, um, like I said last weekend, I was going to do something on police, um, and we're going to do that today. Um, and kind of go over everything that's going on. So if you've been paying attention, you obviously know police are under attack. This basically flared up again in the wake of the George Floyd incident in Minneapolis. Since that time, um, we've had protests. The media likes to say peaceful protests. I would I would rather say a lot of them are not so peaceful protests or bordering on riots. Um, you got things burning, things are on fire. Uh, you got people getting hurt, people getting shot in uh, the Seattle chop zone. People got killed. I mean, these are not peaceful protests because there's a lot of violent acts going on and property destruction. So in the wake of this, obviously police are under assault. And there's been an uprising um, with all of the rioting and protesting of more incidents against police. So obviously the police are out there trying to do their job protecting all of us from injury, harm, property damage, theft, etc. So they're out there at these protests um, doing their job. And, of course, the incidents are rising. I mean, these protesters are getting emboldened. And this is happening because in a lot of different cities across the country, they are allowing this. Uh, mayors police uh, are instructing the police departments not to intervene. In Seattle and, and in Portland, they were ordered to stay out of certain areas. They're not prosecuting these guys when arrests are made. They're just releasing them. You've got the mayors, uh, the mayor in, in in Portland just said police can't use tear gas. I mean, they've had over 100 days of violence every single day in Portland, Oregon. And he doesn't want the police department to use tear gas. They're not prosecuting these criminals. They are becoming more and more emboldened. And 
if you didn't realize it, you know, these groups, uh, there's Antifa, there's the Black Lives Matter organization. These are organized groups and Antifa trains, Black Lives Matter trains, they admit all this. They train in combat, they're training in armed division, you know, so this is not like a grassroots thing where people are just out in the street, okay? This is all very organized. Now, let's go on the Black Lives Matter website. Black Lives Matter Chicago. This is the 10 demands on the website right now. We demand the immediate closing of Homan Square and all other unknown, quote, black sites where over 7,000 people were disappeared, unquote. That's exactly what it says. CPAC now. We demand the immediate implementation of elected civilian police accountability council with mandated inclusion of survivors and families of victim of police torture and violence voted in by each neighborhood. Number three, no cops in schools. Cancel the Chicago PD contract and restorative practices in all schools need to be funded. Additional social workers and student support personnel in our schools make all schools sustainable community schools. Accountability for police murder and torture. We demand the immediate firing and prosecution of all police officers and government officials involved in torture. They're also demanding a revocation of pensions uh, for the certain police officer, Dante Servan, um, for what they say is the murder of Ricky Boyd. And they ask for revoking of pensions of all CPD officers that committed torture. Justice for all killed by police. We demand the name of officers involved in killing anyone in the city of Chicago for the entire duration of the Chicago police force. We demand reopening of all closed cases. We need to know the full breadth of all police brutality. They list uh, a whole remiad of names here of cops they say um, should be held accountable for murder. And youth incarceration. They want, to end, they want the immediate closing of Cook County Juvenile Detention Center the largest juvenile prison in the country. So I guess we just let all those people out. And I mean, I don't know, I guess. Number eight, defund the police. We demand the immediate disinvestment in CPD and a reallocation of operating funds currently allocated toward policing, which represent 40% of the city's operating budget and result in 4 million a day spent on policing. Defund the police. This is Chicago, right? Like, this is where, like, 50 people get shot every weekend. All right? And this has been happening for years, and they want to defund the police. Let all the criminals out of jail. Number nine, invest in community resources. We demand police funds be reinvested through the reopening of 50 closed schools reopening of mental health centers that were closed, housing for the homeless, funding for crisis centers, free drug treatment, and recovery centers, and a jobs program for all that are unemployed. Okay. That's Black Lives Matter Chicago. Now, there's chapters of Black Lives Matter. So if you go to each chapter, you know, there's similarities, uh, but they all kind of say a little something different. If we go to the main Black Lives Matter page and you go to the What We Believe 
They go through their origins and Ferguson, but here's some of what they say. We acknowledge and respect, celebrate differences and commonalities. We work vigorously for freedom and justice for black people and by extension for all people. We unintentionally build and nurture a beloved community that is bonded together through a beautiful struggle that is restorative, not depleting. We are guided by the fact that all black lives matter, regardless of actual perceived sexual identity, gender identity, gender expression, economic status, ability, disability, religious beliefs or disbeliefs, immigration status or location. What about all the blacks that die in Chicago every weekend? The black on black crime? Have we, have they been out uh, rioting or I'm sorry, protesting for, for that? Have they done that at all? I haven't seen it and I don't think anyone has. We make our spaces family friendly and enable parents to fully participate with their children. We dismantle the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts so they can mother in private even as they participate in public justice work. What? We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially as our children, to the degree that mothers and parents and children are comfortable. Wow, that's nice. Now, in Chicago, you guys probably know, crime is out of control. Okay? Out of control. Criminal sexual assault. Year to date, up 21% from the same time frame last year. Two-year change up 20%. Three-year change up 19%. Robbery. Robbery. Down 3%. Same time last year. That's because nobody can go out. They're locked down for COVID. Murder, up 52% from last year. 31% over two years, 11% over three. This is according to Chicago Police Department CompStat. Okay, these are the current crime statistics. You just turn on the news, see how many people get shot every weekend. All right, so we all know crime is up. Police are under attack. That's why crime is up, because they're being told to, to draw back. Now, what has this done? This has brought in a massive exodus of police officers nationwide, okay? The New York City Police Department, the largest police agency in the country and probably the world, they have uh, 80,000 cops, I believe. And NYPD limits retirement applications because they had a 400% surge in retirement applications. So now you got to make an appointment. Only so many can, they can only do so many appointments uh, per week and they're limiting how many cops can get out. All right. 400% increase. 20 police chiefs minimum have resigned since protests began in May. 20. That's according to Newsweek. All right. Dallas police chief, you may have heard about that. She made headlines. She, she resigned after the department was criticized for stopping violent protests and anarchists in the city. So this chief is doing her job. Coincidentally, she is, a, or she is an African-American woman as well, but that didn't stop the protests or the heat from coming down from the city. She, uh, she had to resign. Rochester, New York. Police chief and the top command staff, all of them, resigned in the same day. 13 cities are defunding their police departments. That's minimum. Okay. Austin, Texas, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Oakland, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, and others. 
Minneapolis, the entire city council, they voted to disband the police department entirely. And then you have the sports. So you've seen the NFL last weekend, right? Many of them out there kneeling uh, for the anthem uh, right after these two uh, sheriff's deputies in L.A. County were ambushed. They're out there kneeling. NBA kneeling. They kneeled on 9-11 for the anthem. Disgraceful. So anyway, all this is leading up to this mass exodus of cops. Now, this is not good, okay? Because who are you going to replace them with? Who? The Black Lives Matter people? Who's going to want to be a cop now? They're not backed by their, by their agency. They're not backed up by their superiors. They're not backed up by their city they serve. They're not backed up by the media. They're not backed up by anything. Peace officers are protected by law in certain ways for very good reason, but these laws don't even seem to matter. Prosecutors are charging officers that should never be charged. Who's going to be a cop? Who? Do you know what it takes to be a police officer? Now, some of you know, I used to be one. I served for many years in law enforcement, and it's not easy. All right, I'm just going to walk you through it real quick. First, you got to take a written test. General knowledge, okay? It's not like rocket science, but general knowledge. If you're in the top 25% of that test, you'll be invited back for a physical agility test where generally, depending on your state or the agency, they might run you through an obstacle course where you jump walls and fences and run and drag, uh, you know, 200 pound dummies and things like that. Or you may run a mile and a half and do push-ups and sit-ups and things like that. You have to meet certain standards and they're, they're not super easy. I mean, you got to be in pretty decent shape. Now, if you get past that, you're going to go to an oral board. It's like a panel interview, usually three to six people on it. There'll be officers, sergeants, lieutenant maybe, and they're going to ask you questions, situational questions, what you would do in this situation or that, how you would handle this or that. All right, so you make it past the panel interview. Then you're going to go to a background interview. So they're going to give you a big packet to fill out where you have to write about everything in your life, everything you ever did, every job you ever had, everybody you know, your neighbors, friends, co-workers. Then you're going to come back to a background interview with an investigator. They're going to go through that packet with you, page by page. And they're going to ask you detailed questions about everything on it. Okay, then they're going to do a background investigation. Could take anywhere from two to six months. Once that's completed, or during that process, you'll be invited for a polygraph. That's the uh, lie detector. Okay? They're going to verify everything that you put down in the packet. Once your background's completed, you'll go to a psychological examination. Normally, these are a couple thousand questions about, uh, you know, psychological type stuff. Then you'll meet with a psychologist, go over the tests with you. You'll have a therapy session for an hour. They're going to make sure that, you know, there's nothing wrong with you mentally. And if you get past all that, then you'll go to a medical examination where they test you everything from lung function, blood work, treadmill tests, everything. 
cholesterol, check it all, full medical. Then you might get a job offer. Then from there, you go to police academy. Now here again, I mean, depending on your state, this could be anywhere from three to six months or more. It's kind of like boot camp if you go to the military. Running, working out, getting yelled at, following all kinds of rules, and learning, book work, and physical work. Learn about the Constitution, criminal law, interviewing skills, investigative skills, report writing skills, how to protect yourself, how to shoot, how to use all your weapons. You gotta be certified and all that stuff. Then you'll graduate, you'll get a badge, but you're still not done. Can't really do anything until you're off your field training, which is again, usually another three or four months where you have three different field training officers riding with you, observing everything you do and grading you on 50 different points, every single thing that you do every day. And if you make it past all that, then you're out on your own and you can be a cop. It's not easy. Not a lot of people make it through the interviewing process. Maybe half pass the written test out of that half. Maybe only half of those pass the physical test. And out of that half, probably only half of those pass the interview, the oral board, okay? And out of that half, probably only a quarter of those get out of the background, polygraph and psychological. And then not all of those will make it through the academy. And the ones that do, not all of those will make it out of field training. So my point is, these people aren't just out there growing on trees, okay? I mean, how many people you know have never done a drug in their life. I'm not saying that drugs are automatically disqualifier, but they will take a lot of people out of the equation. How many people have never committed any crime? Zero. How many people are good, solid, sound character that you want out there carrying a gun? And this process that we have in place for picking police officers, this process works as evidenced by the fact that a black person has a greater chance of being struck by lightning than getting killed by a police officer. Do you know how many millions of contacts police make? How many force uh, incidences there are? Here's a sample. This is from the LAPD, okay? In 2019, the department had 1,692,351 documented public contacts. Documented, okay? Now, that means a report was written, a field interview card was made, um, there was some kind of document, a call came in, they responded, right? This is a documented contact. It doesn't count all the times that cops contact people while they're in a restaurant getting something to eat or they're parked in their car and somebody asks a question or they pull up next to somebody that's on the side of the road and talk to them and they don't you know, really do anything, they're just talking. It doesn't count all that. During the 1.6 million contacts, 712,759 individuals were stopped during observation-related field detentions. So this covers both vehicle stops and pedestrian stops. Okay? Out of those, so that, that's basically 42% of their total documented public contacts. Out of those... 82,288 arrests were made. That's 5% of the total public contacts. 5% arrests were made. Out of the arrests made, 
2,373 use of force incidents occurred. That's 0.14% of total public contacts result in some type of force, okay? And then use of deadly force occurred 26 times. 26, that's 0.001% of total public contacts. Now, that's documented contacts. They're contacting far more people than documenting. The likelihood that you're going to get into a confrontation with police is almost none. And if you do, there's a reason. So back to my initial question, where are you going to find cops? Who's going to want to be a cop? And who are you going to replace these people with? Do you really think there's a serious enough problem to disband the entire law enforcement system the way it exists today? Which, as we see from the numbers I just read you, seem to be working pretty well. It doesn't seem to me that those numbers indicate a systemic problem. Think about it. Thanks for listening. Check us out on DontTreadOnLiberty.com for, for great news and information. Subscribe to our blog, too. We'll talk to you next week. Stay free. Thanks for listening to Don't Tread on Liberty with Jason Davis. Subscribe on Google Play, iTunes, or your favorite platform. For more Liberty news, check out www.DontTreadOnLiberty.com and subscribe to the blog or join the conversation.